Good morning, we're ready. Good morning, my name is Jim Barcliffe, and welcome to Lighthouse Fellowship. We just welcome you here this morning. We're glad you've chosen to join us, to take time out of your day to join us. We pray that this word today will encourage your heart, but also to, uh, to give you direction in life. The Lord said that uh, he will direct our paths as we trust in him. And I pray that you truly would know that direction and sense and be aware of his presence in your life. He's always with us and he's willing. And so we open our hearts to him today, don't we? And ask him to do this today. So let's pray together as we begin this message. Father, in the name of Jesus, we just pray that you would speak to us. We need a, a word from you, Lord. Our hearts are open to you. And ask that you would speak and let us get out of the way and let your word and your truth go forth in power. We love you, Lord. We pray that Holy Spirit of God, that you would come and touch us and speak and anoint the word of God. Anoint this service. Anoint what we do in life. Even when we leave this place, Lord, we ask that you would give us opportunities to share our faith with other people. And Father, we pray today, even today, the light of Jesus would be reflected in our life, Lord, today. Because we live in a dark world. We live in an uncertain world. And Father, today we know that Jesus is the answer. And so, Lord, give us those opportunities. And Father, again, give us the words we need to speak when we share the love of Christ with others who are in need. We bless you and we praise you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Turn to John chapter 9. John chapter 9. We're going to look at all 41 verses. Jesus opens the eyes of the blind. Amen. Okay, let's read it together. As he went along, he saw a man blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus. But this happened so that the work of God might be displayed in his life. As long as it is day, we must do the work of him who sent me. Night is coming. And when no one can work while I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Having said this, he spit on the ground, made some mud with the saliva, and put it on the man's eyes. Go, he told him, wash in the pool of Siloam. And this word means sent. And so the man went and washed and came home seeing. His neighbors and those who had formerly seen him begging asked, Isn't this the same man who used to sit and beg? And some claimed that he was. And others said, No, he only looks like him. But he, said, he himself insisted, I am the man. How then were your eyes opened, they demanded. And he replied, the man they called Jesus made some and mud and put it on my eyes. And he told me to go to Siloam and wash. And so I went and washed. And then I could see, where is this man, they asked him. I don't know, he said. They brought, uh, brought to the Pharisees the man who had been blind. Now the day on which Jesus had made the mud and opened the man's eyes was a Sabbath. And therefore, the Pharisees also asked him how he had received his sight. And he said, he put mud on my eyes, the man replied, and I washed and now I see. And some of the Pharisees said, this man is not from God, for he does not keep the Sabbath. But others asked, how can a sinner do such marvelous signs? And so they were divided. Finally, they turned again to the blind man. And what have you to say about him? It was your eyes he opened. And the man replied, he is a prophet. And the Jews still did not believe that he had been blind and had received his sight until they sent for the man's parents. Is this your son, they asked. Is this the one you said was, say was born blind? And how is it that now he can see? We know he is our son, his parents answered. And we know that he was born blind. 
But how he can see now, or who opened his eyes, we don't know. Ask him. He's of age. He will speak for himself. And his parents said this because they were afraid of the Jews, for already the Jews had decided that anyone who acknowledged that Jesus was the Christ would be put out of the synagogue. And that was why his parents said, he is of age, ask him. A second time they summoned the man who had been blind. Give glory to God, they said now. We know this man is a sinner, he replied. And whether he's a sinner or not, I don't know. But one thing I do know, I was blind, but now I see. And then they asked him, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? And he answered, I've told you already and you didn't listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you want to become his disciples too? And then they hurled insults at him and said, you are this fellow's disciple. We are disciples of Moses. And we know that God spoke to Moses, but as far as this fellow, we don't even know where he comes from. And the man answered, now that is remarkable. You don't know where he comes from, yet he opened my eyes. And we know that God does not listen to sinners. He listens to the godly man who does his will. Nobody has ever heard of open the eyes of a man born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. And to this they replied, you were steeped in sin at birth. How dare you lecture us? And they threw him out. And Jesus heard that they had thrown him out. And when he had found him, he said, do you believe in the Son of Man? Amen. May God add his blessings to the reading of his word. You see what's happening here? We're talking about someone who is blind naturally and he's blind spiritually. And so Jesus is walking along, okay? And this man is sitting on the side of the road and he's asking for alms. That's where he had always gone. He had been blind from birth, probably 20, they believe 20 to 30 years. So he had always been born, he was blind. Have you ever realized, I know some of you are challenged by eyesight, obviously. And you think about how, obviously, what a blessing it is to be able to see. And, but if you were born blind and you had never seen anything, you'd never seen any light, and you'd never seen the green grass, you'd never seen the blue sky, you'd never seen any of these things, I want to tell you, it, it, it could be horrible. And this man, had, he was in that particular condition. And he was standing. And so Jesus is walking along with, with his disciples and and he reaches out, he hears him coming, he can't see him, but he reaches out for alms, for some type of money, something to try to help him get by. This is what he had always done. But Jesus did something different here. He actually uh, looked, pierced him, looked at him in his soul, down deep within him. Now, obviously, I don't, you, the blind man couldn't see him looking at him, but I believe he could feel him looking at him. And he looked deep within his soul. And, and I believe that something happened. There was, began, obviously, a journey as this particular man became to a saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I believe as we talked about evangelism in the last few weeks and how to receive Jesus and, and how to share Jesus with other people. This is one example of what happened as Jesus went along the road and, and he saw this man. There was probably no faith in this man's heart. He was, he was hopeless. He had never, obviously expected to get healed he had he had not expected anything out of life he just felt like he was he was going to get up every morning he was blind and go out and take his position and hold his hand out and get whatever he could from those who passed by there was no hope and you know i believe that's true for people today in this world I believe that a lot of people are taking their stations in life. I believe that people are going and coming from work 
or whatever their particular uh, thing is that they do. And I believe that they have been wandering around with no hope. They're not hope, and in any way, they have no hope that things will get better. They have no hope that maybe for a healing that they have or whatever that they need or no hope for, for anybody around them. And so they're wandering through life in the same way this man was and all. And yet what we see here, I believe, is characteristic of who our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ is. And Jesus stopped by him. He saw him there. And, you know, sometimes we think, well, you know, if I got to sort of get my act together before Jesus will touch me. No, we just open our hearts to him. We just look to him and how he does that is his business. But he works and he does things, I believe, that are marvelous. This man was, was, was blind. This man could not see. He was there and, and he was sitting there all those years during this time. And so I believe a good example of what Jesus does in people's lives. You think in one way or another that you've been entrapped in something for all these years. There have not been answers to your prayers. And you feel like these things are hopeless. And yet, sometimes it's like Jesus visits us and he gives us hope and he gives us a little boost. It's like he puts a little bit of wind back in our sails that we can keep on going. Doesn't he do that to you? He does that with me. At times when I feel completely dry, when I find I'm completely worn out and all, all of a sudden Jesus comes along and he gives me a little burst of energy that I say, oh yeah, I can do this. I can keep on going. He kind of, he kind of passes by me on the roadside as you may think of it that way and he gives me a little boost to say come on you can do it Jim I'm with you all the way he visited this man and touched this man and healed this man in a wonderful way he goes on he tells him you know that he's obviously got plans for his life here and he has plans for your life and my life also even when we don't see it and even when we sometimes it seems to be going in the opposite direction of what we believe it should. God has plans for us. Why? It's because we're his children. Because he's our father. Because he's our savior. And he's our Lord. He's our helper. He's our comforter. And so when everything around us falls apart. Keep in mind whose uh, child you are. You're God's child. And he takes care of his children. And he'll take care of you. And so he has plans for us. And Jeremiah 29 11 talks about that. In a wonderful way. When he says. For I know the plans I have for you. Plans not to harm you. But plans to prosper you. And give you a hope and a future. He says I've got plans for you. And I believe that plan is very consistent. It doesn't waver. He, God is not someone who kind of backtracks. On his promises. He's consistent with saying. I've got plans for you. You know what I'll say that to everybody in this church today. And those of you who are listening. God has plans for you. Why? My confidence is in the word of God and what God has spoken. He has plans for this country, I believe. I believe today God has not given up on the United States of America. I believe that God has plans for this country. I believe that obviously just as this country started out as a shining light and sent missionaries all over the world, that that will continue and actually that will increase because God has plans for us. Isn't that good news today? You know, the enemy has plans for you too. He came to kill, steal, and destroy. And he wants to do that. But God's plans obviously are way above his plans. And as we believe in him, as we continue to seek him and to know him, I believe those plans will unfold today. You are not forgotten. You're not on the sideline. You're not over there, again, begging for alms. You have a Savior who is obviously very, very much committed to you and to me. We're a child of God. We're children of God. 
And God's got a plan. God's got a plan for the church. We had in here spoken just a moment ago. Lord, we need revival. We need an awakening. We need people all over this community. We need people here in the immediate League City area and way beyond to come into a saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I believe that's on God's heart today. And I know you do also. Amen. I believe it. And so the blind man's sitting there and he's begging. And God's got big plans for him today. You know, sometimes it doesn't look like it. Remember the story of Gideon? He was on the backside of the threshing floor. The Midianites were eating their lunch, so to speak. And remember there, the angel appeared to him and said, oh, mighty man of valor, mighty man of warrior. He was calling him that. And, and, and I'm sure Gideon looked around and said, is he talking to me? Maybe God has called you that. And you're saying, what are you talking about, Lord? You know, I, I'm just I can barely get up in the morning. I can barely make it through some of the circumstances of life that are going on in my life today. And you're calling me a mighty person of valor, a mighty person of warrior today. And let me tell you, that's what God speaks to you today. We are we're called by God to fulfill the will of what God desires, his purposes here on this earth. We're called to partner with Jesus Christ and to do the will of God. And I believe, obviously, that's going to take place because my God is over all. My God is all powerful. My God can do this. And if we surrender and we yield our lives to him, I just believe that God's going to do that. He's got plans. He had plans for this man. He's sitting there. Had no hope of anything. He's blind. Jesus is looking at him. And you feel, sometimes you can sit and I've told you before, I remember here not too long ago, it's been a while. And at various times this happened, and I was sitting there watching TV and just sitting there. And it was a sense of the presence of the Lord in my, in my life. And I just stopped and I just loved, I just bask in his presence. I can sense the presence of the Lord. And maybe this man also sensed the presence of God. You know, God wants to reveal himself to us more than we obviously want him to reveal himself. God wants to touch us. God wants to do wonderful things in our lives a, a lot more than what we would ever imagine today. Now to Him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we think or ask, to Him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus. That's the Word of God, folks. That's the Word. And this man today, uh, obviously, he had no hope. But they came and, you know, they started off, the religious crowds said, Rabbi, uh, who sinned, this man or his parents' sin that was born blind? Where's the sin coming from? Because a lot of times we know that obviously sin can bring on uh, illnesses and so forth. And from the original fall there in the Garden of Eden, it ushered sin in and death in. So we know, obviously, that sin originated, obviously, ultimately with Adam and Eve when they sinned in the Garden of Eden. So we know death will come. We know those who won't trust in Jesus we will be dead in their spirits also. We will die physically. We know that. But we'll be resurrected again when Jesus comes back. And we'll be given new bodies. Resurrected bodies. That's good news. And so they said, who sinned? Who is it here? And all they, all they wanted to do, they wanted to point the finger. They were not celebrating the man's eyesight. They weren't doing it. And that was the religious crowd. They weren't celebrating what God had done in this man's life. And he'd been blind. All those years, and yet now he could see. And they didn't even want to, they weren't real happy about it. Because they even said, you know, this man is not of God because he healed on the Sabbath. Jesus healed on a day. They just didn't, they didn't believe he was supposed to do anything on that day. So obviously what they were saying was the Sabbath was more important than this man's wholeness and his sight. And so the religious crowd steps in. And that's what happens a lot of times. When you experience a miracle in your life, 
A lot of times, obviously, the religious, you may get criticism. And when you obviously decide to follow Jesus Christ, all, everybody may not get on board with it. You may ha have opposition. And this is what we see in this story here. And so we see here there were uh, obviously about sickness and, and so forth and what their theology was. And, you know, they were thinking, well, maybe there's some generational iniquities that are there that have been passed down and all. And, and, and so he's saying here that but this happened so that the work of God might be displayed in his life. He's talking about what work? The work that obviously that Jesus is getting ready to heal this man. The work. He was going to heal him. And the man was eyes were going to be open. I believe, obviously, that Jesus was moving the disciples away from a judgmental attitude to a heart of compassion and love towards this man. And I believe that's the way we need to approach people also. A, a heart of compassion for people. People that are down in the dumps. Because a lot of times, what do we do? We look at the person and say, if they really committed a horrendous sin, we need to say, we need to stay away from them. We don't witness to them because they've really done horribly wrong and so forth when God wants to save them. And a lot of times we do that. We like to get around people like us, don't we? People that we're comfortable with. People that maybe agree with us in, in our beliefs and so forth. But getting around a crowd of people who maybe may not agree with you and sharing your faith, you feel like that sometimes you may face opposition with that. But Jesus was obviously about the, doing a, going about doing the Father's business. And you and I should be in the same position. Do what God tells you to do. And Jesus was sent to that man sitting on the side of the road. That one man to open his eyes. But he gives us a tremendous story today about what he can do in our lives. And so obviously we know. Think about this. Satan has blinded the eyes of the world. Satan has blinded people where they cannot hear the gospel. Did you know that? They're blinders on the hearts of people, as you may put it that way, to where they can't even hear the gospel. If you share your, the word of God with somebody and so forth, and it's like it goes over their head and so forth, they cannot hear the gospel unless those blinders are removed. There's no way. They're blinded. And that's why some people won't receive the gospel. That's why some people are like, I reject what you're saying here because I believe I can save myself. I believe my good works can save me. I believe that that obviously I, I can do some things to be able to gain favor with God. And that's a lie straight from the pit of hell. God is the only one who can move those blinders, but he will. That person has a heart and intent to look to God for salvation. He'll begin to move in that person's heart. And evidently, Jesus saw something in this man's heart that I believe obviously caused him to go over and to heal this particular this man here. And then he goes on and says something, a sense of urgency when he says, as long as it is day, we must do the work of him who sent me. Have you all thought when you heard that? Maybe that was the first time you read that or maybe it popped out at you again. He says, as long as it is day, we must do the work. Obviously, I believe what that saying is, is we may not have much time. And I believe we need to live that way. Also, we need to live with a sense of urgency to share the gospel, to do all we can for Jesus and the kingdom of God. Not working for our salvation, certainly, because it's by grace through faith in Jesus, but working for him and not sitting back in our comfort zones. Get out of our comfort zones and share the gospel. Share with our family. Share with our neighbors. Share with those people that we meet in the marketplace. Whatever it is, I believe. Jesus is saying, as long as this day, that I've got to work. When the nighttime comes, it's too late. There's going to be a time that it will be too late. It's not now. It's a time that we need to obviously have that sense of 
of urgency. And so the second thing is he was obviously healed of his blindness. And that's the blessing here. And so first of all, what's he do? He spits in the, on the mud. He spits. How? That, that's crazy. He, that's a, you know, like kind of spits on the mud. He takes in, in the, the mud and then puts it in the man's eye. And there. Can you imagine? Suppose you came in this church and you said, Jim, I need healing for this particular condition. I said, hold on. Let me go outside and let me get some mud out there and spit in that mud and bring it back in here and put it in your eye. How would you feel about that? And you go, wait a minute. I'm in the wrong church. Something not right here. Wouldn't you? You'd say, man, that preacher, he, I knew he was crazy, but now I really know that. And put that in your eye. This is what happened to this man. But see, this man was so desperate. He was so desperate. He said, you know, and there was something about Jesus and the way he, he spoke to him in love and compassion that he said, hey, I'm going to, obviously, I'll receive that. I want to see. And what happens when you come to Jesus? I, have, I believe you have to come because you're so desperate because you know that you're a sinner and you know, obviously, the dis desperation that you have in your heart that if, you, if Jesus doesn't save you, that you're going to go off into hell. I believe that. That's, I believe that today. And I knew that when God touched me. When God I encountered the Lord that day. I realized my sinfulness. I realized that. But at the same time, I realized God gave me grace and God was forgiving me at the same time. But I realized I was in dire straits. I realized that Jesus Christ was the only way to heaven. I realized that, that if he didn't save me, I was on my way to hell. I realized that. And that was that desperation. I believe this man was seeing. He could never see him. Think about it. And somebody comes along and said, hey, I'm going to heal you, I'm, but I'm going to spit in this mud. I'm going to do it in a way you never thought so. You know, we lay hands on people here and pray for them because I believe it's biblical to lay hands on people. We pray for people at a distance. We intercede for people uh, together here and also when we leave here and so forth and all. But I've never been in a place where somebody spit in the mud and then put it on somebody's body. I mean, this is crazy, isn't it, here, obviously. But, you know, a lot of times we get so focused on, on the methodology that we forget about the results. We get so focused on the way maybe we've always done it before, maybe the way the church house has done it before, and maybe in a comfortable way we said it, and we forgot about how, obviously, the results here. And I want to tell you today, just do it. Don't get your eyes on the way that Jesus uses in your life to touch you. Don't get your eyes on trying to analyze his love. You cannot analyze love. And you can't analyze the way Jesus works. His ways are not our ways. His ways are higher than our ways. Much higher. You can't understand the ways of God. And if you're here today, you're hearing a word from the Lord. Not just me, but God's Spirit is speaking to you today. And that is God because he's drawing you and he's drawing me. Because he's got plans and he wants to use us in his kingdom. He doesn't want us just to come and sort of go through the motions of coming and going in church. He's got plans beyond these four walls. Hallelujah. He's got plans to use us in this. And so don't get your eyes upon the way that he does it. Obviously, just receive it and believe it here. But these people, they, they didn't like it. Because they were they were religious. And they say, hey, he's never done it this way. And the same thing could happen to us if God does something different that he's never done it that way before. And we go, is this God? Now, we need to test the spirits, definitely. But we need to obviously surrender and believe our God is faithful and he's trustworthy. And so whatever he does in your life and my life, that's his business. And he's very faithful to do that if we'll allow him. And so this man was had an open heart here. 
But obviously this man wasn't offended at all, was he? But remember what happened. The man had to somehow activate his faith. And that was when Jesus told him, said, go and wash in the pool of Siloam. Okay. He did not obviously receive his eyesight after Jesus just put that mud up there on his face. He didn't. He had to walk when Jesus said, now go wash in the pool. What would you have done if again, if I'd come in here and put mud, spit in the mud and put it on your face and so forth. And then I told you, hey, go down there and, and wash in the basin and wash and so forth. And you'll you'll see, you know, it would have been enough for me to put that mud on your eyes. But then me, I telling you, go down there and do this and that and you'll be healed in one way or another. You would again think I was lost my mind. But this man went and what happened? What was that? He activated his faith. He believed God. Why? It's because he was desperate. And the question today is, do you believe that Jesus is the answer for this country and for the world and he is the only answer? Amen? Do you believe it? I believe it. I know it in my heart of hearts. There's no other way. We can have all the, the best economy in the world. We can have the best leadership in the world. We can have the best, obviously, undoing of the regulations in the world and all the things that we see today and all the safety in the world. But Jesus Christ is the answer, folks. He is the only way. Unless we have a move of His Spirit today. Those people that are all looking for truth that are burning buildings down and burning everything and, and rioting all over the place and doing these things of destruction today, they'll never know the true life that Jesus gives them. It's the only way. But the question today, are we desperate like this blind man? Because you see a lot of ways that we know, obviously, we just got to go along and get along, don't we? We sort of like, hey, you know, uh, I, I'm just waiting to go to heaven here. I remember, don't worry about the way that God does it. Let God do it. He may do something in your life and my life that we've never seen happen before. It may be something really radical also. They talk about the radical this and the radical that. When Jesus does something in your life, it's going to be a radical in a good way. Amen? I heard a story not too long ago. I've obviously been a while. My boss, when I was in hospice, shared this with me years ago. I'll never forget it. And this man, obviously, there was a flood coming. And it came up in his house, and he got on his rooftop, and he was praying to God, please save me. Please save me. And, and so God sent him a helicopter and, and let the ladder down and so forth. And he looked at it. And it wasn't the way that he just thought supernaturally God was going to sort of like transport him off out of that area and <laughs> off of that house and all. And he let the helicopter go on. He, he didn't get on the ladder and crawl up. And then he sent a boat to him. And he looked at it and he said, that's not the way that God was, is going to really uh, rescue me. I don't agree with that. And he sent another way. And so the man drowned. And when he went to heaven, he asked the Lord. He said, Lord, uh, I ask you to save me. And I know that you saved me. And you didn't, you didn't save me at all. And the Lord said, I sent the helicopter. I sent the boat. I sent this and that. Obviously, those who have had surgery in that place know in this place today that God uses doctors. God uses nurses. God uses medicines. All these types of things. That is God. It's come from the Lord. He uses way to heat, ways to heal us. Okay? We pray for healing. And then God directs you in the way He would have you to go. So don't look at it a particular way. Give it to the Lord. And allow Him to heal you. Whatever it may be. 
I'll tell you, it was really, it took faith for this man to obey Jesus, but he knew he was desperate. And so he went down and washed that off. And very important in understanding faith, it's impossible to please God without faith, Hebrews chapter 11. We had to have faith in this, okay? So again, when did this man receive his sight? When he had fully obeyed God. When he fully obeyed God, many times answers to prayer will come. Many times things that we've been asking. If God's put on your heart during this message today and wondered maybe there's something that you have not done that God's told you to do, I want to just encourage you to do what God tells you to do. No matter how radical. It may be that God is putting on your heart to share your faith with someone. I want you to tell you today, go and share your faith with that person that God is putting on your heart. Don't wait and don't linger. Several years ago, there was someone that we visiting in our home. And I uh, was sitting there burdened. I didn't know if the person knew the Lord Jesus Christ. I just knew the person had some health problems in the past and so forth. And so uh, I left the home there, went back to my house and all and all along the Lord burdened me and said, you need to go back and talk to this lady about whether or not she has a relationship with Jesus Christ. And so I did. I said, I'm going over there. I'm going back. And so I went back and sat down and I said, I called her by name and called her into the dining room and I said can I talk to you a minute and she said yeah and so I called her and asked her I said I need to know whether or not you know Jesus Christ you've put your faith and your trust in Jesus Christ fully because I, I just I, I said I just feel burdened by the Lord to share this with you and she told me she said yes I have yes I've I have received Jesus in my life and I shared with her that day about Christ and what salvation actually means and and just shared with her and I'm not a great theologian neither you maybe but God uses you when you tell when you share your testimony and so I shared with them and it was several years later this this lady died at a relatively early age she died and so some people that you leave you may never see again or some people that you leave, God may give you an opportunity to go back and share with Jesus Christ. If I want to encourage you. If God tells you to do it, obey him and watch what God does through that. You don't have to be, again, a Bible, biblical scholar. All you have to do is share with them. I want to tell you what I believe. Can I do that? And I want to tell you over the years, no one has ever turned me down. No one's rejected me. That's not saying they couldn't and that they, that won't happen. But share. Just obey. This man obeyed. And what happened to him? He received his sight. Obedience is important in the kingdom of God. Okay. And so, you know, he's asking, he said, where is this guy at? He said, I don't know. Why? I believe this blind man wanted to thank Jesus and all because we can't keep it to ourselves. Obviously, we're excited about it. But obviously, the religious crowd, they didn't like it at all. They didn't like it that the man was, was obviously received his sight. But many people, I believe, obviously were very, very happy about it here. Obviously, just do it. Share your faith here. And then the Pharisees ask him how he got healed. He tells them a simple story. Listen, in verse 16, this man's not from God, for he doesn't keep the Sabbath. And then verse 17, what have you to say about him? It was you, your eyes, that he opened. And then with great conviction, he says, You're, he's a prophet. And so he's moving through the process of salvation. When he does, he goes, ah, something different about this man. He's a prophet. He prayed and, and he laid his hands on He put that mud in my eyes. I washed it and now I can see. And so he began to receive revelation of who Jesus is. And his parents were afraid of being excommunicated because being excommunicated at that particular time was very serious. They could never go back into synagogue. They would lose friends and 
and a lot of family members and so forth. And this man obviously was very bold in his faith, telling them that obviously this man is the son of God. He goes on to say, and he's very, very straightforward. But what happens to him? First of all, he's blind and then he's healed. But what happens after he's healed? He became so he became a worshiper of Jesus. He worshiped Jesus. Amen. When God does something for you, don't you just want to worship? Don't you just want to stop and share and and just give him the praise and all? And so obviously we need to be accepted by God, even if we're rejected by man. It's better to be accepted by God. Somebody is going to obviously uh, say they don't agree with you because they believe there are many ways to heaven when you say that. And they believe one way or another that you're narrow minded. And you tell them, well, Jesus is my Savior and Lord. And I believe he's the way to heaven. Do you want to receive him when you ask that question? Some can say, no, I don't want to receive it. Because you obviously are saying, you know, there are not many ways to heaven. And I believe that I've been good enough and I don't need Jesus. And that's okay. You're planting seed. And so this man here, after he received his sight, actually became a worshiper of Jesus Christ. And so then he goes on deeper. And Jesus obviously wants to bring him to a place of saving faith. And that's when the faith had to be exercised. He said, go down there and wash in the pool. Wash it off. Go down there. And so that beggar had to get up and walk down there and wash in the pool. It's the same way with us. Until we're obedient with the Lord, we'll never see the miracles happen. We have to activate the faith that's in our heart. We have to believe God first. Remember, we need to step out in faith. God doesn't always show us what the end results are. He just says, do what I tell you to do and believe me that I'm going to do great things. And this is what happened with this particular beggar at this time, this blind man here. And so the man's eyes were open. The man began to see. And remember what he said here. He said, well, you know, who did it? He says, I, I don't know. But all I know is I was blind and now I see. I was blind. But now I see. Isn't that true for your salvation today? I don't know how God saved me. I don't know why God's why he saved me. I, know, I wasn't deserving of it. I didn't do anything for it. I mean, I just said, Lord, as a gift, I receive it from you and I believe in you and I put my faith in you. But how he did that is a mystery. I don't know. But I know I was blind. But now I see. And the question today is, is that what's happening in your life? Were you blind? But now you see. Were your eyes open to realize who Jesus is? We had a Sunday school lesson today that I think depicted it real well. We talked about it several weeks ago. About Nicodemus. Nicodemus came up to him. He was a. A Pharisees, well, then he knew the law. He knew, obviously, the, the word at that time. And so Jesus came up to him. He was doing good. He was a good man. And he came to him under night, remember? And Nicodemus came in. And Jesus, right off the bat, said, you must be born again. You've got to be born again. He basically was saying, Nicodemus, I know you've done good things and all. But they'll never measure up to the holiness of God. The only way that will happen is if you give your life to him and you make him obviously Lord of your life. And that's the question today I want to ask each one of you. And I asked this in Sunday school also, and I'll ask every one of you in here today. I know you're here 
and I know most of you and, and so forth. And oh, God knows our hearts. He knows my heart. But I want to ask you, have you ever made Lord Jesus Lord of your life? Have you ever said, as uh, some said, Lord Jesus, be the boss of my life. Come in and take control of my life. Have you ever done that? If there's anyone here today, I want to right now give you that invitation. If you've never really said, I, I, I want Jesus to be Lord of my life. I, I believe he's the savior of the world. You know, and again, the Bible says the demons in hell believe Jesus is Lord. In fact, they know he's Lord. The question is, who has your life? Who's running your life? Is Jesus running your life? And is his will being done in your life? Are you doing it? You still in control and saying no one is going to take control because I've got the reins of my life and I don't want anybody to mess with it. And that's the question today, because you see, again, as I said earlier, is this the most serious question that you will ever understand? Who is Lord of your life? Is Jesus Lord of your life? Or is obviously you Lord of your life? If you don't submit to his will, obviously the Bible says there you can't enter into the kingdom of heaven. And I don't want that for anybody. I want everybody to be saved. And I know Jesus, obviously, his heart is far beyond mine in that regard. But if you've never made Jesus Lord of your life, if you've never really said that, you've been in church a long time and you do believe that Jesus obviously is the savior of the world. And you've even asked him to come in your life. But nothing's changed. Because you're still running your life. And today may be the day you just say, Lord, come and be Lord of my life. I want you as my Lord and Savior. Come in and save me. Jesus will do that so quickly. As we surrender to his body. To him. That's the question today. This man, man knew that he was saved. He, he said, you are obviously the Messiah. He, he was obviously saying, you are. I know who you are now. He moved through that. And I think some people are in that progression of obviously believing in God. They can look at the flowers. They can look and they go, somebody created this earth. Somebody put this whole thing together. And we're spinning in orbit to where obviously it's done exactly the way a, a supreme creator did it. Many of them obviously have never moved to that point in saying, there's Jesus and I'm in need of a Savior. And I want him to come in my life and be my Lord and Savior. Let me tell you, he'll obviously bless you. He'll bless you beyond measure when you do that. But it takes a surrender on my part and your part. And that's what he asked you today. This man born blind, he did. He understood and he believed. And he said, I'm going to follow Jesus. And again, that's what we're to do also. Because see what we are as his disciples. We are followers of Jesus. We just follow him. And he takes us where we want to be, where he wants us to go. And he never makes a mistake. I remember, y'all, some of you have heard this story. And I'll share this. And this is not to get any eyes on me, but. Because this is a day-to-day -day thing of surrender and dying to self. But in this particular occasion, when I began ministry, I went, came out of manufacturing management, as you know. And I knew God was doing something, and I knew that he was calling me in the ministry. And so there were a lot of changes taking place in my family. And uh, it, it was sometimes a difficult change. I went back to school. I had a degree. 
And then I went back to school to get a seminary degree. And different things were taking. But all, all along the way, God began to just move me into places that he would have me to be. And I knew it was so supernatural. He provided for us. We were really tight on Monday. Money. Cindy was teaching in Pearland at the time. And we were tight on money and, and all. And we had a, a house that we'd moved from in Tennessee. And just about the time our money ran out there, the house sold in Tennessee. And so we had enough where I could go to back to school. And to be able to do that, I, I substituted in the Pearland School District and uh, did different odd jobs while I was going to school at night. And God provided all the way. But I came to that point when I did, and I said, Lord, I want you, Lord of my life, more than anything in this world. And I give you my heart. I give you my life today. And I ask you to come in and take full control because I want your will more than anything else in this whole wide world. And so as it turned out, we were trying to discern what God wanted me to do. And that was whether or not to be a pastor and go into ministry in that respect or some type of other. I knew it was some type of Christian type of service that he had called me to because I felt God really laid that on my heart. But I didn't know exactly specifically. And I told him, I said, Lord, I'll go in any denomination you want or non-denomination. It doesn't make any difference. Whatever you want me to do, I surrender. You are Lord over my life. When I gave you my life, you're in control. And I want to just I surrender it to him the same way what I'm talking about today. And so God began to put on my heart, obviously, that uh, that there was a call to mission in Australia. And so I knew it was so burdened, it was so heavy. I didn't say anything to Cindy because I, I wasn't about to, <laughs> to say, Cindy, you know what the Lord's putting on my heart? We need to go to Australia. If I ever said that, I mean, that may have been <laughs> that would have been real bad. But I didn't say anything to her. But I knew it got heavier and heavier and heavier, more burden. You're going to go. I want you to go to Australia. And you know what happened? Finally, I told Cindy, I said, you won't believe what God's put on my heart. I finally got enough. I got brave enough to tell her. <laughs> Can you believe it? And I told Cindy and Cindy said, "Uh oh, because God's put it on my heart also. And I said, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? And it was a struggle. Because see, we have family here. Uh, I'm, I, I love this country. I love um, the places you know, we've lived. I love this. And this is familiar territory to me. And we prayed about it. Because both of us said we'll pray about it. And see where it goes. And finally, uh, we came to, I know, a heartfelt decision. Both of us came together after praying about it for some time and said, we'll go. We'll be obedient. And when that happened, it all went away. I believe in a way what God was saying was, are you going to do, are you, am I really Lord of your life? Am I Lord, Jim, to a point where you'll do whatever I tell you to do? You'll go wherever I tell you to go and you'll say whatever I tell you to say. Do you really mean it? Because see, I can give him lip service all day. I don't know about y'all. I go, oh, yeah, yeah, preacher. I can tell it. But when you get out there and he begins to call you to a place you haven't been before, it's a little bit different. Just like this man that got that spit with that mud in his eye. He's calling that man to say, are you going to believe me when I tell you to go wash in that pool? Or are you going to say, I've had it. 
I'm not going that far, Lord. And that's what he calls you and me. I'm no different than you. I'm in a position as pastor, but we're all ministers. And I'm no different. And so the question today is that maybe someone in this place, God has told you to do something with your life. Maybe it's a major radical change or maybe in one way or another it's, it's something he's just saying, you know, I want you to do it. Are you willing to obey? Are you saying, Lord, really, from the bottom of your heart, I will do it no matter what you tell me to do. And sometimes he will and he'll put you. But let me tell you, I know this and you know this, that God knows what's best for you and me. And if we'll follow his plan and make him Lord of our lives, I want to tell you, you cannot go wrong. There may be some rough roads. And there was. When that happened, when we both came and we obeyed, it all went away and we knew that God was, in a way, proving our faith. See whether or not we would do what He called us to do. Now, that's just one instance. Life is full of those to say, are you really going to, is Jesus really Lord of your life? I can say, Jesus is Lord, and I can sing it all day long. But the question is, will we act on it? And will we believe it? Let's pray together. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you that you are Lord over all. And Lord, today we just come. We just pray you. This is your church. This is your body. And we ask you today, Father, that you would bless this body and use this body for your glory and your honor. But I pray, Father, today. As you work in our hearts, whatever it may be, whatever God has told us to do, we ask you, Father, that you. You would give us the grace. We know that grace is there that we can be obedient. And so, Lord, today, if there be someone here who's never really just uh, accepted and believed and made Jesus Lord of their lives. Today may be that day that they in their heart right now. Ask Jesus to be Lord of your life, whatever it means. That there would be total commitment to Jesus in your life. No, not halfway or not just sort of like going through the motions of coming to church and maybe, you know, doing this and that, the good things that God calls us to do. But just come and be Lord of our lives in total commitment. If there be somebody here today or some persons, just say in your heart, Jesus, come in. I make you Lord of my life. Come in. I want to know that I'm saved. And I want to know that surety of knowing when I take my last breath that I'm going straight into the arms of Jesus. If that's somebody here today, just, just ask him to come in. He will. He will. He's really willing. And if there be someone here today that has never, it's something, something maybe, and I just feel like somebody here, there's something that God is calling you to do. And you, you've, been a little, you've been hesitant about stepping out in faith because... Um, you're not just quite sure, but God is saying today, go ahead and step out in faith. Take that risk. Faith is spelled R-I-S-K. And take that risk and obey the Lord. And there'll be blessings that will follow. If there's somebody here today, or maybe even persons, more than one. If somebody here has not been obedient, something God's put on your heart. That today would day, which you said, you make that commitment, commitment to him and you will. Do what God tells you to do. Father, just give them strength and love on them and touch them that they'll follow through with what you call them to do. I just pray today for God to fill every person in this place with the Holy Spirit. 
I pray. I believe that there are exciting days ahead. I believe there are some real challenging days ahead. But I believe there are some real exciting days ahead. And I pray that God would anoint every person in this sanctuary in the power of God's Spirit. That God would move in your household, in your families, in your neighborhood, in your comings, and in your goings. I pray that in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you for watching today. We're glad you're here with us today, and we hope to see you next week. Have a blessed week in the Lord. God bless you, and we all pray for you. Amen. God bless. Amen. Let me just to say, uh, the Underwood family, pray for them. Dolores raised her hand right before we got started.